Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls, The Infinite Fringe, a watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius Guitarist, The Timo Tolki Podcast, and The Great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcasts. So check out RatSaddleReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Hollywood has taken gore as far as they can take it. Uh-uh. There's a band out of Antarctica. <laughs> they make Alice Cooper look like Sesame Street. They call themselves Guar. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sleazy P. Martini, entrepreneur extraordinaire and discoverer of the most amazing cataclysmic rock and roll event of the century. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gua. My name is I am this executioner. I am Beefcake the Mighty, and I come in peace. Maximus, I play guitar. And I am Simenstra Hyman, and I have come to this planet to love you all to death. My name is Balsack, the Jaws of Death. That's B-A-L-S-A-C, with umblots over the A's. I play guitar, and also act as the mouthpiece for the band. dare to address me without groveling on your hands and knees and ritually disemboweling yourself first? Down, human! Kill yourself! No! Don't kill him yet! We need the publicity! Oh, that's right. If you are doing this, you are probably already dead by now. Years ago, we were the members of a elite group of warriors from the other side of the galaxy. They were called the scum dogs of the universe. This mustang is it's for you, Lady Liberty. Ah! We owe your network our knowledge of the language, everything between you and pro wrestling. <laughs> Cause we are quiet and we'll go far. We got him. 
To Rat Salad Review. Hello, Lou. Greetings, human scum. <laughs> nice. Hello, Nate. Nate actually has a uh, impersonation of uh, Odorous too, right? What? <laughs> was that your <laughs> Stone Cold Odorous Shurungas impersonation? Hey, what the hell was that, Nate? I just built that up and you botched it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You completely fall flat on your face. <laughs> well, on one of the previous shows, you you were singing "Sick of You" with the the vocalist from uh, "Timeless Haunt," and yeah. you did odors very good on that episode. You did you, you pretty were much spot on with that one. Yeah. But anyway, all the guar talk. We are going to talk about guar, and we're gonna. Oops, shit. Do you remember <laughs> that? <laughs> take two. No. Not taking two. In pure guar fashion, that meant to happen. Uh, we're going to be talking about every single Guar album, song by song. Let's do it. And that's a lot of albums. <laughs> yes, no. We will not do it song by song. We'll do it album by album, I guess, a little bit here and there, and everything in between, I guess. But uh, we'll do, I guess, a, a somewhat of a good job on this. I don't know. We're yeah, all fans of Guar here. Yeah, no live albums or comps or uh, anything like that, because... I think we're just going to do strictly studio albums, right? Well, we have, yes, of course. Live. They only have yes, they only have one live album, no compilation albums, uh, as far as I know. No, they had uh, "You're Worthless and Weak," but that was only available on SlavePit.com, I think, or at their live shows. They oh. had the one from the late '90s, I know, because it was. Yeah, that was the "We Kill Everything" tour. Yeah. I had no idea, but um, oh yeah, and, and we, yeah. also I also have this book. I don't know if anybody ever got the book. No, I and not afford that book for the life of me. It's, it's like a hundred bucks on Amazon, I think. Exactly. Oh, really? Well, it's worth it. Look how thick this book is. This, this is like insane. I'm trying. I was trying to read some of it for some information on the show, and I could not make it through. I just, I had to just stop. No, <laughs> it's just so long. Basically, huh? Crossover the edge. What is that? Where hardcore it's punk? Just an encyclopedia of crossover bands and like. You know, hardcore, anything that sounds like just cross-punk, crossover, all that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I have a terrible time reading. As soon as I open the page and, and start reading things, I, I, my eyes just automatically close. And I just want to go to sleep. So it's hard for me to read. But uh, I was trying to get through some of that book. There's some interesting things. I'll try to remember them. But uh, it is a cool book. Let there be Guar if anybody wants to go buy that book. But uh, yeah, 100 bucks, huh? It is quite a bit of money. Yeah, it's probably so more my, I bought it. Well, my birthday's coming up in three months, everybody. So yeah. there you go. I'm going to... I did want was that coffee table book, Defenders of the Faith, where it's just a bunch of pictures of people's battle vests. Oh, yeah, that's I like that. That's cool. That to... I look at for just hours, dude. Yeah. I love looking at vests. My father in law bought me this uh, heavy metal book, but it was uh, all these metal people with cats. So it was just pictures of metal guys with cats and stuff. That was kind is, of cool. Is Chris Holmes in every picture? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he was part of that. Well, let's get to Guar. Um, that's right. How did how did you guys get into Guar? Like uh, Lou, what was your first uh, like you know three words? Beavis and Butthead. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I the my first exposure to Guar actually was '92 when we first got MTV, and uh, if I can recall this correctly, it was in March of '92. Weekend Rock was showing uh that was their new show they were showing at the end of segment one like all the new releases and they had a 30 second clip of cracking the egg from from phallus in wonderland and i was like what the fuck is this (laughs) and a couple months later i discovered the the network uh the box video uh, yeah yes it was just the box and road behind was on like every hour because right. some Guar fan, wherever you are, thank you, kept on ordering it. But I wasn't really into it at the time. Oh, and then, uh, you know, I first saw Saddam Gogo on uh, Beavis and Butthead. I got uh, hooked. And it wasn't until 99 when We Kill Everything came out where I actually was able to say I was definitely a Guar fan. Because at the time, Metal Blade uh, gave us a copy of the record with um, the song Fucking an Animal on it, bleeped out with all <laughs> animal noises. Um, and, you know, we were playing the hell out of that song. And Dave Brocky himself, rest in peace, Odor Shirungas' uh, slave boy, um, he wanted, he's like, yeah, you want to do an interview? Let's do an interview. So he gave me 20 minutes of his time. Very oh, wow. gracious, very funny, very entertaining. And um, ever, ever since then, I said, you know what? Even though the music might be crazy, and I learned to appreciate and love it more the older I got, uh, Dave Brocky was just a cool fucking guy. And he was my first ever interview um, being a metal DJ. And I'm forever grateful to him, and I'm forever grateful to Kevin Chainsaw Rose, formerly of Metal Blade Records, for setting it up. And ever since then, Guarpan for life. Wow, awesome. Uh, do you have that video, um, the interview up anywhere, or...? Uh, no, uh, it's so oh. cringeworthy. I can't even oh. like bear to listen. And thankfully, it's on cassette, so no one will ever hear it again. <laughs> oh, come on! You gotta, you gotta put that on the show. Well, Bob Mango from um, my uh, podcast, uh, my for- my former college radio uh, co-host, he actually has it on cassette, and he said he was going to bump it at MP3 and put it on 
uh, a website that we're forming. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see the time of day. But, dude, it was my first interview. <laughs> I was 18. It's so goddamn cringy. So That's right. It's still, it's still cool you got to talk to Brocky. That, that's, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, he was wonderful. He was uh, just such a nice guy, just so giving of his time. And he's like, oh, man, if I didn't have other interviews to do, I'd talk to you forever, man. You're a cool guy, you know, and, mm. you know, just so appreciative. You yeah. know, you don't it, – it's funny. Like, a couple of months later, I met the Scorpions. Rudolph Schenker's a dick, and I have no problem saying that. <laughs> a year later, I met Quiet Riot. Kevin Dubrow, rest in fuck you. And, um, <laughs> you know, like, it's it just, you know – you meet musicians, and then you meet washed-up rock stars. Dave Rocky is a musician. There was no rock star pretension bullshit about him. So, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah that's I, I kind of realized that, that, you know, reading some of the stuff in his book, he, he's, he's Guar, you know? just And that's all he kind of focused his whole life on, which was pretty cool. Yeah, which only kind of makes me wonder what if him and Hunter didn't have a falling out. Hunter Jackson, uh, Techno Destructo, also Edna yeah. Grambo. Because, right. you know... Well, I'm pretty sure you're going to get into the history of Guar. Uh, I'll throw in some tidbits if you need me to. But uh, who wants to answer the question next? How'd you get into Guar? Well, I, I found out about Guar somewhere through the. I mean, it's the first song I remember hearing from them and seeing was the Let Us Slay video, which is just a total epileptic acid trip. And I. <laughs> from there and I really didn't get into the music until like a couple of years back when I realized these guys are actually great musicians but I mean I first saw Guar Warp Tour 2017 and then I saw again that same November that's where I got their shirt and twice more since then they're the band I've seen and I'm a diehard wow I mean I just love their unique brand I mean some kind of fucked up crossover, weird amalgamistic thrashy mm. bunch of songs. Yeah, it's Guar's great, and even though they didn't get like too musically accomplished until I'd say maybe War Party, mm-hmm. they've always been great. Yeah, except for I'm not a huge fan of late practice Guar. It's just I don't think a lot of people are. <laughs> I don't. I don't think some of them are either that were on the album. And I get why you would be, man. That late '90s war, because that's like right when you got into them and all that. Yeah. It's like right. But yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you though. Later, as I discovered, like rediscovered, like their older albums, and I saw where they started from with "Hello" and leading into "Scum Dogs." Right. It's like. Wow, what a drastic change yeah. from where they went to in the '90s, and you know, thank goodness for Violence Has Arrived because I feel like they went back on that track. Yeah, mm. Violence Has Arrived is definitely a stepping stone. I don't think they got fully back on the horse until War Party. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. My well, first song, fucking awesome. <laughs> I love yes. that song. So... Well, my first introduction was uh, Headbangers Ball. I saw a uh, Gorg- Gorgar video. And in that video, I don't know if you guys remember the video, but they got the dinosaur oh. running around. They're chasing him through whatever, you know, their little stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and oh, 
one of my favorite music videos. Yeah, it is. It's, it is one of mine too. And it's just, it was just so insane. And the the song was catchy, and the music was like fucking awesome. It was really heavy, and just everything just like clicked for me. And I was just like, I love that band ever since I saw that video. And of course, I had to go and find all the albums at the time, and and just you know, I, I immersed myself in everything Guar. It was just. Also, I would I would sit at school and and like draw you know how like um in the booklet they have all like the pictures I guess that they, uh, Dave Brockie would draw and stuff. Mm-hmm. I w- I would sit in school draw some of the pictures you know like you know copy them and stuff like that. So I was a big fan of war. And even even one thing I did was I was drawing, uh, America must be destroyed. And one of my teachers came over and he saw me writing that, and he's like. What is that supposed to mean? I said, hey, "Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah." He's like, "I think I'm a terrorist or something." And I'm like, "No, it's it's a Guar album." Not too many. Oh other my god! Was, but did did you me. ever see the Did you ever see the Wally George interview with Odorous and Sleazy P? No, I don't think so. Okay, it's on YouTube. It's broken into two segments, and you know, Wally George was this guy from the '80s, early '90s who was. Doing like the Morton Downey Jr. thing on the West Coast where he was trying to like, you know, draw like conservative anger amongst his audience. But you could tell it was a complete total show. It was like it was as gimmick as pro wrestling is. And uh, sorry to break kayfabe, Eric Adams. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, just to see that both odorous and. Wally George get into a standoff where they're like, you know, okay, okay. And it was, and it was during the America Must Be Destroyed era, and it was, it was hilarious. Yeah. Before yeah. got his odorous voice, too. He had that weird, like, accent before just the big, booming odorous voice came to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, old school odorous kind of sounds like a, like an immigrant from East. Europe, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't, yeah. I think they tried that at first, and they're just like, "Nah, it's not gonna work." <laughs> like you can hear it on Joan; it's it's completely different. Yeah. Oh, the Joan Rivers interview, yeah, yeah but that was that was so that was a great interview. How far are you, you're gonna go, Cleveland? <laughs> I mean, the, the the crazy thing about Dave Rocky and Michael Bishop, like if you think about it, it was like. Borschtfeld vaudeville sense of humor that they mix in with, you know, sci-fi monster, you know, punk rock based heavy metal. And it was like, it it was Groucho Marx for the metal community. It was great. Right. Exactly. It was also very like grindhouse horror too. And I love that. I do too. Yeah. Except for animal killings and Hannibal Holocaust. Yeah. (laughs) Like you ever seen Pieces? No, no, I have to see pieces. I think it's on my uh, my queue for Shutter. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love Grindhouse Splatter Flicks. So Guar is just a natural draw to me. That's why I like Gore. Interesting. I'm not into that, but I am into Guar. And uh, let's move on to Hello, the first album. Hello, man. A lot of this is old Death Piggy material, and you can really tell. Yeah. Have you heard the Death Piggy out? Like you've listened to that? Actually, I, I haven't. I to hear that. Really? Well, I went to go see them. Uh, actually, not too long before Brocky ended up dying. Um, when I went to the merch booth and I bought a T-shirt, and then I saw Death Piggy there, and I I didn't really understand who it was, but 
I looked it up real quick and saw that it was his, you know, old stuff. Right. And uh, it's cool. It's strange. Mm-hmm. It's it more towards like um, what it's uh, more hardcore Dave, punk. Yeah, and it's more like what Dave Brocky experience would kind of sound like, and even like with the "We Kill Everything" kind of, you know, just like stupid, stupid songs. But they were catchy and, and funny. But uh, yeah, but, hello. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say though. Um, you mentioned Death Piggy, so Death Piggy was Rocky's first band, right. um, and this is when they moved into the Milk Factory in uh-huh. Richmond, Virginia. That's where he met Hunter Jackson, who at the time was creating Scum Dogs of the Universe, which is supposed to be sort of like his, you know, uh-huh. comedy, sci-fi, horror, softcore adult film. And Dave Rocky looked at his costumes and said, "Hey, we should wear that on stage and be our own opening act." Right, and we'll call it Guar. You know, that's that, that's where they came up with the name Guar, right. except it was spelled Guar with a bunch of R's at the end yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And the opening act ended up getting more love than Death Piggy. So right. that's when Hunter Jackson and Dave Rocky said, "You know what? Let's just let's do this." Yeah. And that's that was the beginning for Guar. Now, um, the one thing I know about Hello was that it's the one album. From Guar, where it's like you know, you could see where they were coming from, but it sounds nothing like any Guar album that came out after it in terms of sound. Like it was very lo-fi indie punk that they were going for. They weren't going for metal at the time. It just grew to that as the costumes grew and the show got more gorier, and you know, and it, it was an interesting evolution because you know a lot of the songs that they play to this day are off that. I mean, you got Americanized, you got um, Time for Death, you. We are my Gwar. favorite, my favorite on the yes, the Guar theme. My yeah. favorite on the album was uh, which is Je m'appelle Jacques Cousteau. Which you said that <laughs> you know, the best version of that is on uh, Night of the Day of the Dawn of the Penguins, the live oh. video from '97. L- okay. Listen to that version of it, and you'll hear the best version of that song. I mean, what it sounds like to me is like the heavier Motorhead album, Sacrifice. Hello, sound reminds you of Sacrifice? Yeah, and the fact that it's still metal, but it's coming from, like, a punk background. Like, maybe, like, the first Cro-Mags album, too, stuff like that, where it's really ambiguous what it's really writing. Huh. Yeah, it makes sense, but... Not, I'm not talking wise I'm talking right, style, right. stylistically. Yeah. Like a lot of it's still very based in even seventies punk and rock and roll, but you can tell what's metal on here. And then mm-hmm. I'm like GBH too, because I'm getting D beats out of there and mm. it there's a whole hodgepodge of just extreme in here and I love it. Yeah. But the thing is they didn't like metal. They were just you know, mostly into punk. And Oh yeah, but so I, I don't I don't hear metal on this album. What? Neither did Discharge, and they had a metal tone. I don't know who Discharge is. Okay. Metallica covered them on Garage Inc. Uh, what was it, Free Speech for the Dumb? Yeah. Oh, no, I thought that was Animals. You thought that was who? I thought that was the Animals or something. No, Animals did not do Free Speech for the Dumb. Animals Why did... I, uh, uh, they did um, House of the Rising Sun. I'm thinking of a different band. I don't know. Yeah, not just know. a different band. That's We're a completely different genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, as as I was reading the book, they were like totally against metal, 
And that's why this album sounds so punk is because they would basically they wanted to be anti-metal band in a way. And, you know, because they're, they're a punk band on here. And yeah, like you said, Lou, this sounds absolutely nothing like anything War would ever do after this. And this is the third album I heard of theirs. And, and when I first bought it, I listened to it once and I just put it to the side. I'm like, this is garbage. I'm not going to listen to this ever again. And I actually ended up selling it not too long after that. Really? That's yeah. A- yeah, because it was just... There was just nothing really on here. I mean, I love I'm in love with a dead dog. I mean, that was kind of cool, great you know? song. Rock and roll party town. I'll always. <laughs> <laughs> it opens up with uh, "Time for Death." That that's a cool song. I like that one. Yeah. And even AEIOU is pretty cool. Americanize oh, is cool. American- I, I grew right. Yeah, I grew this album actually grew on me, and, and when I did sell it, I ended up having to buy it back, obviously because you know I'm a Guar fan. I have to have every Guar album, so probably a lot harder. That as well. No, it's still available through Metal Blade, so yeah. it's not oh, a print. Right, yeah, that's right. I think yeah, uh, like shit. you know, on online that's not through the record label. Mm-hmm. I keep getting to order shit through record labels. It's like because everything's so centralized now. Mm. It's not, I, mean, I go to record stores too much. It fucks up how I buy online. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have any record stores here. You all oh. suck. Interesting. Yeah, there's like two here, and they're just really uh, the whole stretch of that. Pretty much, right, Lou? Was that record stores? There's like maybe three, four, or so. Go quality, yeah. go quality decent I mean, by me, there's Mr. Cheapos, but yeah, I, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. And that's probably like for like the hardcore vinyl collector, because mm-hmm. I remember going there like about 13 years ago when my roommate got. Um, he got his uh, record player, so he was just, like, buying all the classics, Rainbow Rising, Heaven and Hell. Um, he was, you know, buying, like, vintage first-pressing vinyl, mm. and it's amazing because it was still in great condition. Mm. So, but that's really the only store I know of that even sells vinyl, whether new or old. By the way, interesting tidbit about Hello. Of the Guar members that we would know about in the future... The only two at the time that were members of the band were Dave Brocky and Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop was part of that first uh, lineup that recorded for Shimmy Disc. Mm. Yeah, Mike Dirks, who does uh, Balzac. Was that? I thought Brad was on this. No, Brad didn't join until right before Scum Dogs. Because their first drummer was called Nippolis Erectus, not Chisnack the Bishop. That's mm. right. I forgot. Yeah, because Nippolis Erectus did not last long. It's sort of yeah. like um, Nirvana's first drummer. Like, he was on Bleach, but didn't last too long until Dave Grohl came by. Yeah. It's a funny thing you mentioned Dave Grohl, because as I was reading through the book... Guar <laughs> fan, yeah. Well, he's a big Guar fan, but he also wanted to try out to be the drummer in Guar. That would be... That would have been fucking cool. <laughs> you know, he and Brad are... Pretty comparable in skill, I'd say. Nah. Oh, yeah. Fucking Dave Grohl's uh, a beast on the drums. But well, he's, uh, also, he's, he's also from Virginia, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that uh, he would join Guar if he, yeah. if he had the chance. Yeah. But then he got the, uh, the you know, the, the cold to Nirvana, so obviously well, he went I, I think he did all right for himself, but, you know, I he's got a ways to go. Yeah, he's all right. He'll get there one day. You know, being a yeah. multi-talented, you know, multi-instrumental 
Yeah, he's he's right up there for Michael with Dirk Eddie Van Halen. You know, a lot of future potential. Yeah. Is Michael Dirks not on this either? Michael Dirks is not on it. No. He, did he join right before Scum Dogs then too? Yes, he did. That's okay. Oh, and technically, Dewey Roll is the guitarist on Hello, and um, uh, Scum Dogs. So you do have. Um, your flattest Maximus on that album, on those albums, but you know he only lasted the first two albums. <laughs> Damn, Lou, how do you know? Guar lead guitar until Rory joins the band. Like, is it really that big of a deal? What's that? Guar lead guitar until like Corey Smoot joins. Is there really anything to rave about? Well, I did like the guy who did, uh, you know, Pete Lee, who played lead on. Um, this Soil of Earth, Ragnarok, and um, Carnival of Chaos. He was good. I mean, I don't listen to those albums as often, so. He had chops. I mean, like, you know, I watch a lot of the concerts, so he definitely had the live chops. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, it, yeah a like, lot... maybe I'm wrong here, but it's, like, I never really thought Guar's music outside of Brad was anything remarkable, at least in, like, Technicality-wise, until Corey joined. Yeah, no, I mean, Corey definitely owned Flattis. But there's one other guy that I want to mention real briefly, who, you know, the the, the Flattis before Corey, and that was uh, Zach Blair, uh, who now plays for Rise Against. So he did okay for huh? himself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I, you remember all these names. You know, I, I tried to... There's just way too many people that have been in and out of this band. I have no life. <laughs> <laughs> it it is. It's like I, I'm looking. This is the um, the timeline of the band. Uh, it's just like two pages of people. I, I don't know. You know, if people can't see you, that. Wait, really like you don't need about, that. You got me. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know how you remember all these names because it's just it's insane. Be, because I can't retain anything else. Two, three, four. I can't even retain their, water. Their characters, though, I really don't care. They're like consistent members that have a distinct style. Like no. people like Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop and Casey Orr are equal, in my opinion, as bass players, but it's like right. they both have different styles. Like right. Casey Orr is from Rigor Mortis, and I fucking love Rigor Mortis. But right. Michael Bishop's got more of a motorhead kind of style behind him, right. where he's got more of a classic ring. Yeah. yeah, you can tell actually which albums both are on. You know, when but, Mike Bishop was in the album, there were more. Um, like melodic songs in a way, and then when Casey Orr started writing for uh, what the hell's that album? Uh, um, what's that uh, it one? was uh, Ragnarok. No, when it came back, the the heavy. Oh, one. um, that was a bloody pit of horror. Nope, the first well, one that came back. Was he on, was was wait a minute, Was he the bass player on uh, Lost in Space? Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. Okay, uh, this one. Uh, was, violence has arrived. Oh, that's right. Casey Orr was on that album. You're right. Yeah. So he he wrote a lot of stuff because a lot of the stuff on Violence Has Arrived was going to be on the um, Rigor Mortis album, and then ended up being on that. And yeah, you can tell the huge difference because they really turned into like a really metal thrash type band by then. And then know? hey, now both of them are in the pan. I know, right? Isn't that fucking weird? If only this <laughs> had Dave Brocky, it would literally be the ultimate Guar lineup. Right, it would be. It has literally every classic member, and then a like Pusty. Pusty's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, I like Pusty a lot. 
So what are we? So what are we? It's, oh. it's perfect for Guar. Yeah. Um, another thing too with the, the Hello album, uh, Techno Destructo song. The guy, what was his name? The guy who actually was Techno Destructo. Um, so Hunter name? Jackson Hunter was Jackson. not involved in Guar right. for about a couple of years because I think he moved to Michigan. Yeah. So the role of Techno Destructo was actually taken up by uh, Don Dracolich, who we know as Sleazy D. Martini. Right. Yeah. So and that's him on that first. He record. also yep, he sang on this song. But um, what, are, what are we gonna say yeah. about this first Guar album? Should, should people? I mean, I guess people should hear because there are some good songs on here. But I would say, don't let this be the first Guar album you hear because yeah, you're not, you're not gonna own, own it for the collection of Guar classics. But oh, I, it's you know I, unless you're a punk fan, I don't see I'm a big why punk would be fan, so I'm like this is a good album. I give yeah. this like seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I said, it, it took, took a while for it to grow on me. So I give it a six. Like I said, Jam up, Jam up, El Jean Cousteau. I love that album. Love that song. Yeah, yeah, it's good shit. Um, then they went. Above and beyond. It's almost like a brand new band. It's literally like a fucking exponential curve here. Yeah. It's like it's no awesome I don't think... fucking crossover album. Yeah. Has any other band like started like with a punk first album is a punk album, the next album is completely metal. It's completely different direction. I wouldn't say completely metal. This has a lot of punk still in it. Does I don't know. I mean maybe the production makes it sound like metal to me, but No, it's the guitar is very metal, but the drums and you know the groove of it is still very punk. It's got that, yeah. you know, that yeah, I guess. Speed to it, and yeah. a lot of chord riffs and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I mean, you got songs like Horror of Yeah, shit like that. Yeah, but Scum Dogs of the I Universe, punk as fuck. Yeah, uh, Scum Dogs of the Universe. This is the album that they're mainly known for. I don't think they really ever got more known with the other albums as much as this one. But, uh, God, I remember seeing the video of Sick of You. I mean, how much more catchier could a song be? I mean, and all they're doing is just repeating, you know, Sick of You uh, so many times. It's just it's very repetitive, but it's just such a catchy song. The one it's less annoying than Iron Maiden's later it. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listen to Slaughterama the most off of this. Oh, my God, it's fucking I awesome. I love Slaughterama. How can you not? <laughs> the world's biggest hair, world's tightest pants, got no circulation in your... I just still can't dance. <laughs> so, funny story about um, this album. So, it's fall of 2000. It's my junior year at St. John's. Uh, it's the second year that the dorms are open. And somehow, they found a maggot infestation in, in the food at the dorms. Oh my God. Oh. So, my, my friend Fred Earhart who is a huge Guar fan, decided that we were going to do something to get um, ratings, you know, for people to listen into the college radio show uh, station. So he decided we were going to do Maggot Appreciation Week. And <laughs> once an hour, every day, we played Maggots by Guar in the rotation against, like, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and, people, and I remember the next week, people were like, are you still going to play that Maggot song? I'm like, well, Maggot Appreciation Week is over, but we'll still play it if you want. <laughs> My mother hates even when I mention the word maggots. <laughs> and yeah. I used to play I used to play this song and just the beginning, like with the flies and stuff going around, and she hates it. She makes her sick. Or my sort of parasite by Exodus. 
Or they have the buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I fucking love that. I love cheesy shit like that. Yeah. But uh, Salamanizer, a great opening track. It's, mm-hmm. it's a good uh, opening track. It's not anywhere near my favorite Guar opening tracks. Oh, that's one of my favorite. That next album. No, yes. Yeah, I like the next one, but it's still good. Uh, Sexecutioner, I remember hearing that on the college radio station. Actually, before I even heard Scumdogs of the Universe, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is like the best song I've ever heard in my life. It was just, it's hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> Black I mean, honestly, there's, there's no bad song on this whole album. Um, I, in the middle, it kind of like dips off to me a little bit. Bloody Taylor's good. I'm not crazy about that one. Black oh, and Huge, I don't really care for too much. And horror. How do you, how do you not be a fan of Vlad the Impaler? Who else but Dave Broggy can write Vlad the Impaler and Norman Mailer and the word <laughs> sailor? <laughs> exactly. Scatological humor at its best. And a uh, cool place to park. I don't know. That didn't really do much for me either. I like cool place to park. I like hearing Michael Bishop on vocals because he's probably a more talented actual vocalist than Dave Brocky ever was. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Come on. You listen to things like Pussy Planet and yeah. just, he's hitting those Rob Halford tier high notes. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm talking in pure vocal ability. I guess, but of course, Dave Brocky is the pure, or the true frontman of Guar. Yeah, uh, he always got me because he just he has so many different. Uh, the, he uses his voice so many different ways. Like right. it really isn't a singer that can do that. And uh, Brocky just—he was one of my all-time favorite vocalists, honestly. Yeah, I love Dave Brocky. No, Dave Brocky is a major inspiration. Yeah, definitely. But. uh yeah, but I mean, never discount Michael Bishop is what I'm saying. I oh, no, not at all. He's he's definitely the right person for the job nowadays. I yeah. would agree. I mean, I love the fact that he sounds like Bob Scott, too, because If You Want Blood is such an apt cover for Guar. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, well, one thing I would have to say, the unsung heroes of this album, who are two, who have been two of the mainstays, mainstays of Guar since then, are Mike Dirks and Brad Roberts. Oh, yeah. You know, like, without a doubt, like, without those two, you know, I mean, Michael Bishop has done a wonderful job having taken over the mantle from Dave Brocky. But seriously, if you got rid of uh, Balzac and Jismac, I think that would be a bigger loss to the music. Yeah. yeah. At this, at this, at this point. Jismak yeah, so. and Balsack bring like legitimate just skill to Guar. And mm-hmm. Balsack doesn't get to use it as much because he's in the um He's a rhythm guitar player. Like he's a rhythm guitar player, but I mean in later albums he definitely shows off his playing chops in like complicated ass rhythm parts. Mm-hmm. Like parts like like even in the in the new album, like fuck this place is a kind of a difficult <laughs> lead part or like just hard to play that way oh yeah that riff is insane fucking mm. bear trap on your head <laughs> like he's able to play all this shit wearing that ridiculous fucking outfit on stage yeah with I whatever blood fucking disease he's got michael dirks is a fucking champ yeah he's probably and my he's... favorite member of guar overall and he's uh, the head chef at Gwar Gwar bar oh cool really know. So, uh, by the way, um, interesting thing about the the tour that went on, 
supporting scum dogs. Um, so the tour was sort of like the predecessor to what they would do with America's America must be destroyed, which is the next album after this. And in that the tour kind of tied both albums together because they actually played songs off of America must be destroyed on this tour. Right. But the, the, the most disgusting thing from the bootleg videos that I saw um, of this tour, black and huge would be the second song and behind the screen they, they would actually have video screens and you'd have the first ever scum dog porno film playing <laughs> where it's, it's, um, it's the most disgusting thing ever. Wayne, I'm going to have to send, uh, I'll send you and Nate the, the clip on Facebook messenger, but, uh, <laughs> put it, put it to you this way. You don't know what horror is like until you've seen odorous stick a three foot double ended dildo in someone's butthole while blood and shit is coming out of it. <laughs> Thanks for that visual. While he's licking the shit and the blood. <laughs> you know, I, and, I don't and the think... girl is on her period. And the guy who's getting killed by Odorous is drinking the blood from the period. <laughs> <laughs> and even Don Dragulich himself, he said, I don't know why I directed this. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if the two girls, one cup guy just abandoned his project. Like it was Frankenstein. <laughs> You've seen it's it, like Nate? Played with forces of nature that shouldn't have been touched by man. Put it to you this way. I, I watched you know, the first... Your description, I really don't want to because I've hmm. seen two girls, one cup and that's <laughs> close enough. But here's the thing. The first time I watched it, I'm like, what the hell is this? And, and this was two years watched, ago, and I haven't like, stopped oh, watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If this wasn't a gua show, I'd have to uh, edit all that out. <laughs> so people who like guar are expected. Yes, uh, yeah, that's pretty much normal with guar. God. It, it must have been a sight, though, to see those old, old shows. Other beer. Oh, my God. I need that. I want that. It's that, That's a sake-based beer, sake. right? Yeah, it's fucking great. Interesting. I've, I've only had Trooper. Trooper's great, too. Yes, it is. But uh, that's um, that's Scumdogs of the Universe. America must so, be destroyed, my favorite classic. We haven't even gone to it, Nate. Wayne was not talking. Even but Scumdogs of the Universe, I, I believe that that's the album that everybody should start with, right? I agree. Oh, I agree with that one. Perfect 10. What about you, Nate? I give it a nine and a half. I can't well, grade it, but would you would you say if a first listener to Guar would would you say get this album? Honestly, first. maybe for classic Guar, but overall I'd say Lust in Space is a great first Guar album. Really? Damn. It's not too You're heavy. a new fan, so it's... No 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 no. It's not too heavy. The music's mm-hmm. really good. And it really gets you used to the whole Guar story thing. Mm. So you be like kind of weirded out live show how everything is scripted. Yeah. All right, interesting. All right. And as you said before, America Must Be Destroyed. The album that started yeah. all for me. The best. This is the best album of Guar that they ever no, did. I think this is better. It's better, it's better than Scum Dogs. But also because this was my first album. so It was my I, first too. Yeah. So... You know, to me, this is 10, you know, 
It was the first one I ever bought. So the fucking yeah, same here. But the fucking B side is nowhere near as good. What are you talking about? I love the B side. The B side is nothing compared to the A side. It is too. Rock and roll never felt so good. Poor old Tom. Yeah. Blimey. It's only okay. The, the road, road behind? Totally okay. Poor old Tom is lame. I like poor, I like poor old Tom, old, actually. Poor old Tom is... A, that's a skippable track. I love Brocky's uh, vocals on that song. I do, place. too, but it's like it's a real... It's way too long. I like it. And my cousin's name and, is Tom, and I always say, oh, poor Tom. Depends on how stoned I am, whether I like America Must Be Destroyed or not, like the title track. Yeah. You're insane. But well, the title Down on the Bone, my favorite Guar oh, opening track. Yes. Best song I've ever written about jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually another song. Robbing root it shan't unclass, get to the head of my of the class as I madly stroke my flaccid shaft. Oh my god. It's, it's fucking, poetry. It's up there. Mark Twain. Shakespeare, Dave Brocky, right here. <laughs> oh my god! Legit poetic. It's fucking amazing. It is. I I will say this though about the title track. I thought it was a great experiment with yeah, you know, doing Guar's music and you know commentary from clips of the news and things like that. Kind of reminded me of like what was happening in 1992 with like the emergency broadcast system and. KLF on, um, you know, on on the Brit Awards where they came out, they were like shooting AK-47s with blanks all over the stage and freaking people out. Like, I, you know, it was. I thought that song was a perfect representative of the uh, representation of what was going on at the time, mm-hmm. especially you know post Rodney King LA riots and things like that. And again, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying, like, you know, that's what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I, I like that song. Honestly, my thoughts on it, I'm like, oh, Dave Brocky just heard Ministry. That's yeah. I thought, that was my thought on America Must Be This Right. Oh, that was, that's another... Now that you just brought that up, and I, I just forgot about that, but um, they did actually do a tour with uh, Ministry. Yeah. On the last with Scum Dogs, and then um, Al Jorgensen did produce Horror. Horror, yeah. On the last album. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, Al Jorgensen was a huge Guar fan. He was like, I, you let me well, produce yeah, this song. that also makes sense, but yeah. I think I knew that. They couldn't afford him for the rest of the album, though, so they just said Horror of Yig. <laughs> but I love the poster that comes out. Oh, yeah. Um, it's such a cool thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, every fucking song in here is good. And and the, the hilarious one, Have You Seen Me? I mean, it's a yeah. terrible... Have terrible thing, it's but awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. And they finally—I saw them finally play it live last tour, and I was so stoked. Oh, really? I want them to play "Ham on the Bones" so bad, but they're my thought or what they—what Pustulus said in a video is like, yeah, some of our songs are like really good on the album, but when you play them live, and they just starts playing the riff to "Ham on the Bone," they're kind of boring to play live. I'm like, mm. fuck. <laughs> Fuck, I could... I'm never going to see them play alive, am I? Probably um, not. Uh, Yag's great. Gorgor's fucking great. Morality Squad's so. fucking great. Rock and Roll never felt so good as hysterical. Pussy Planet's great. Gilded Lily's okay. And Blimey's okay. 
and I'm not a huge fan of poor old Tom and the Road Behind. Oh, poor old Tom. I love Road Behind. Yeah, that's a cool one. Gore, the, even the video is great, too. The guitar. It was great, though, because they actually brought that up for the uh, tour after Odorous died. Mm. And the way that they uh, opened it up was sort of like, you know, um, you know, there was Danny Boy playing on the loudspeakers, the you know, bagpipe version of it, and then they went into the song. And uh, during the, I guess you could call the guitar solo of the song, you know, um, Blothar's leading everybody in a Hail Odorous chant, so it's pretty fucking cool. Oh, cool. That's cool. I like that. I just remember in in school, what year was this? Uh, 92. 92. Well, yeah, that would have been like middle school. Yeah. So I remember when, when Roll Behind was on, on MTV all the time, and just me and my friends were just obsessed about that song. So. It's I also Rocky's favorite Guar album. Like I said, it, it, there's really no bad songs on there, so... And in a way, to me, it's just better than Scum Dogs, but they're both great albums. Would you say that Road Behind was sort of like a, a, a parody of Guns N' Roses, though? I was just yeah. going to say that because of the whistling, yes. Not just the whistling, like a sad whale song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't... Didn't uh, Guns N' Roses start doing videos with dolphins and whales in, in them by that point? Uh, around that time, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, Use Your Illusions was that around it, Yeah, since it's a parody of Guns N' Roses, I like The Road Behind now, because I really like <laughs> so. But that's, that, that's exactly, exa- I was just going to mention that before, because the, the way the acoustic thing started off, and then the whistling thing, and just you know, with the whale thing, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I always thought it was I like thought a they wanted school. to try a ballad for shits and giggles, and I'm like, it doesn't really work. But if it's a parody of Guns N' Roses, that's a hundred thousand times better. Like, <laughs> Love Slash, just I like them. Whatever. Axl Rose's Eleven Octaves of Dying Cat. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> it's terrible. What? I thought he did a decent job uh, filling in for Brian Johnson. Yeah, I That's think so, too. fucking weird. Yeah, he's better in ACDC than his <laughs> own band. <laughs> that was fucking odd. I was like, why is he sounding good? He doesn't, he's not supposed to. Yeah. He know. already he made stuck, it... now he's gained slash and weight. He made it work, <laughs> though. But... All right, well, I give this album a 10, Wayne. 10? Yeah, me too. I give it another 9.5. Wow. Not a 10, huh? It's all right. Nine half, I'll give it a 10 for Bloody Pit of Horror, my guy. That's my Guar album. We're not even there yet, Nate. No, I we know. got another four hours. All right. <laughs> Rag- Ragnarok. No, you completely skipped an album. I did, didn't I? This Toilet Earth. Sorry. I edit that one out. Maybe it was for good reason. I have <laughs> this Toilet Earth. No, hold on. Ragnarok. Where the hell is this toilet earth? I don't have... Oh, no, with that one full? Nope, I don't know where it is. Nope, I have it, but I don't have it on me. It's somewhere. It doesn't matter. This toilet earth. That album... Ragnarok came... Because Ragnarok sounds like it would be a transitionary album between America Must Be Destroyed and This Toilet Earth. No, it, it fits in right where it belongs. Right where it ended up being. Really. I always thought it was heavier than This Toilet Earth. No, I don't think so. It, this Toilet Earth sounds a little bit more like a stripped-down America Must Be Destroyed. And I was actually a little bit disappointed with that album because the heaviness of the band wasn't there, I don't think. I think they really started to 
decline in a way in the music. On this yeah. toilet earth. Saddam Go-Go yeah. is the only great song. I, Saddam Go-Go is a, a great opening track. It's a fucking, it's one of my favorite Guar songs. Yeah. I fucking love Saddam Go-Go, but I'm not really a fan of really any song on this album other than that. Really? It's, I mean, the best after Saddam Go-Go, it's like, it's only average, you know? I don't know. Um, I think I had a couple of good songs. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at Sadama Go Go. Yes, Penis I See I Enjoyed, Eat Steel, Jack the World, Sonder Commando, um, Fight, um, Slappy Around's pretty funny, um, Filthy Flow I like a lot, and Obliteration of Flab Corp Seven, which according to Ballsack is Flab Corp Six. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was so that means like I liked half the album. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of the quality of the two prior to it, not there. You could tell they were going for something different. They were going for some kind of mainstream appeal. But at the same time, though, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with this album. Because when the album first came out, I think they were signed to Priority at the time, which I think distributed Metal Blade. And they were giving a little bit more money. But then they said, you have to take BDF off the album. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. And that kind of shot them in the foot. Right. By the way, in case anyone's curious what BDF means, Wayne, can I say it? Of course. Baby dick fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Baby dick fuck. (laughs) However, it did get more popularity in some other aspects. Like, I think it was around this time that they were um, on the Beavis and Butthead video game. They also did the song SFW for the movie. Mm -hmm. Empire Records. Empire Records, yes. Come on, and Mark, why don't you join the band? That wasn't even Odorous' <laughs> voice you. in that, though. That really pissed me off. <laughs> that was not Dave Rocky's voice. No? And No, oh. it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, I, I don't even know, but it wasn't him. It sounds a lot like him. <laughs> no, it wasn't him. I know for a fact that it wasn't him. Um, oh, and, they, and they had the movie that came out at the time, which was uh, Skullhead Face. Mm. Which is a weird sit. I mean, like, like Fallis in Wonderland was cool and weird at the same time, but Skullhead Face was just wow. You know, it had some funny elements where they kill all the uh, record, uh, the the Glomco executives, mm. and you get two cool cameos from um, Sebastian Bach of Skid Row and Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, it's a weird freaking movie. You know, it's funny. I've never seen any of the Guar movies. I've, I've never watched. They're them. available on YouTube on Guar's yeah. channel. Yeah, they're on on DVD now too. But I just I never ever watched them. I don't know why. I just never sat down and watched them. Eh. And then when when I was reading this, yeah, I, that's that's probably why because it just you know I probably really don't need to watch them. Uh, but when I was reading this book, they they were saying that the Skullhead face was just it just did not work and it just it almost like destroyed the band in a way because they were just they didn't know what they were doing. But what do you think about the song? I actually like the song. Which songs? Uh, the, you Skullhead mean the Insidious Soliloquy of Skullhead Face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like they were going into Frank Zappa territory yeah. or like Sgt. Pepper Beatles territory with this, where they were just really experimenting with uh, songwriting. Mm. And uh, I give them an A for effort. Um, it, was, it, was, it was good. It's just it's not one of my favorite Guar songs. Right. I remember hearing it, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" But then it grew on me because, at the time, like even even Gamma Ray had a um, has a weird song where like they'll 
like a piano middle section or whatever. And, and this kind of did, reminded me of that song in a way, just because it had the piano and just kind of went into like this operatic kind of thing. It's just very strange carnival circus type song. And yeah, I ended up, I ended up liking it. If you watch the film, if the song fits within the context of the film. Yeah. Okay. Hey, one day I gotta, I gotta get the DVDs, just watch them. But, uh, I also remember seeing the video for Jack the world. That was also one of my favorite songs. Oh, interesting thing about that video. So at the time, Pete Lee was, uh, he was Flattis. But right before they were shooting, um, he got stabbed in the carjacking. So in that video and on that tour, Flattis actually has a colostomy bag. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Not to watch it. How do you disgusting have pitches with the effort required to play in a guar suit? God damn. <laughs> I guess I don't know, but man, that's why I say Pete Lee. I respect the guy. <laughs> yeah, kudos there. Shit. Well, but, unintended. That's but like cool. you guys say, I mean, half half the album's good. Half the album's kind of eh, throwaway in a way. But um, it's a decent war album. Right, would, now would, you can hold up the album that now, and I, I really wish I could find. I don't. I don't know where the hell it went. To, this toilet earth. I have it somewhere. That's going to drive me nuts now. Whenever something is just out of place, it just drives me nuts and insane. Don't be OCD about it. It's oh, all good. And I'm usually not. It's just that just it's it's guar. They'll forgive you. I'll I'll find it. But yes, Ragnarok is the next album. And I remember I actually didn't buy this album first. But a friend of mine made a copy of it for me because he I guess his brother or somebody bought it first. And uh, again, the production on this one changed so much. Um. It was weird, you know. It wasn't. It was. This definitely was not a heavy guar album at all. But yeah. the songs were there, you know. Yeah, meat sandwich. That's the fucking meat sandwich is awesome. It's an awesome opening track. Yeah. The I new play that was a song you listened to while you were on the, the you know, you're on the phone with uh, an operator. They tell you please hold, and they just play meat sandwich all over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Oh, do do you know what meat sandwich is about? No. It's about Jesus, basically. You know how you go to church and you drink the wine of Jesus? Yes. So it's it's basically eating Jesus. Seriously? Yeah. Yep. Are you saying this because Odorous beat Jesus in a basketball game in the video? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then they grind him at the end of the video and eat him. <laughs> oh, they didn't they didn't show that, but they did show them eating something. Yes, and it was Jesus. Oh god. I have to watch the video again. Okay, continue with the album. Sorry, you were talking uh, about the songs. The New Plague. A fucking dumb video, by the way. We're just going to have to play basketball with Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is wearing oh, chucks. Uh, the New Plague. I remember when I first heard that song, and then they're like, uh, I'm just a person with AIDS. I'm, I'm like, really? They're writing this in the fucking song? Like, what other band am I going to listen to? That's... Writing that shit. I, did I you forget about the, Have You Seen Me? I, I did, but. Proud in Was that? This is the band that got people to scream, I'm gay and I'm proud. <laughs> yes, this I is know. true. It is true. But and, I was... Odorous, and Dave actually wrote that as a tribute to his brother Andrew, who was gay. Oh, that I did not know. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. But I, it's one of my favorite songs. What? Andrew, your own guess. 
Andrew Urungus. Andrew Brocky, come on. <laughs> it's that odorous. So you know what? Andrew Urungus does sound better. Never mind. Yeah, it does. Uh, War Ghoul's okay. I love the song Ragnarok. So do I. And that's the same character who sang uh, Sexecutioner. Mm hmm. Doesn't this song uh, kind of remind you of uh, After Forever by Black Sabbath? When he breaks yes. into like that. When he breaks into that part? I don't know that song that well. You don't know After Forever? If I heard it, I would, I would recognize Hardcore it. Off it's, it it's track two on Master of Reality. I don't have to listen to it. I'll send you that MP3. <laughs> I, I have it on. I have it up there. I mean, you know what it is? I just not too long ago started listening to Black Sabbath, so picking up like a Sabbath song just out of the thin air is not going to like. Are you more of a Dio Trump. Sabbath than an Ozzy Sabbath fan? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Okay, fair enough. Because yeah. he likes power metal. Nothing wrong with that. That has nothing to do with anything. Dude, I, I like I, 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 kind of the Doom equivalent to power metal, to be honest. Like Dio Sabbath. Yeah. Especially like Dehumanizer. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I would say so. Mm. Yeah. Uh Dirty Filthy, eh, kinda sucks. Styles organs, meh. Knife in your guts. Uh I think you ought to know this. Hilarious. Is another one of my favorite tracks, and that's uh Sleazy P singing that song. Kinda reminds mm. me a little bit of the, the one that's off of um Scum Dogs with uh, what the hell's the name of that song? Um, Slaughterama. Slaughterama, yes. Martyrdoms, eh. Fire in the Loins, Nudged. Surf of Sin. Surf that's of Sin. A pretty, that's a cool track. I like that one. Surf of Sin? Yeah, well, I'm a guitar player, so I appreciate good surf guitar. Yeah. yeah. It's not right, but there's no really, uh, there's no really, it's a, mostly like an instrumental. Yeah, but you got Cardinal Sin, like, you know, that that's his voice on it. Yeah. And I'm okay with that, so. And actually, they made a video for that song. It was, like, the first song off of this album. And they were trying, They the reason why they, they made the video was because this song had no cursing or no vulgar things in it, so they figured they would get MTV play, you know? And MTV wanted nothing to do with them. And it, I, listening to this song, because I, I couldn't think of, like, what the hell it sounded like, and then I, when I to- listened back to it a few minutes ago, I'm like, why would you make a video for this song? It, it doesn't do anything, you know? Also, also remember, 95, this is when Headbanger's Ball was off the air, and MTV wanted nothing to do with hard rock or heavy metal. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, Crush Kill, Kill Destroyed, that's a good track. Yeah, that was not too bad. And None But The Brave, eh, it's all right. I'd have to say my favorite on this... Um, I, and again, like my the tracks that I love the most on this are Meat Sandwich, War Ghoul, Ragnarok, Think You Ought to Know This, um, Surface In and Crush Kill Destroy. But I'd have to say War Ghoul is my favorite one. Really? I love that track. I think it's 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 brutal. I love the guitars, the rhythm. I even um ordered the Kindle uh book of War Ghoul written by Dave oh, Rocky. Right. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I will. But you know, just I think it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much like the uh, previous album, I like half of this album and half of it's kind of garbage, but still, it's a good Goar album. Nate, what do you think? What the hell's Goar my leg? Yeah. Really? It's kind of, most of it's pretty forgettable. You think so? Yeah. Nah, well, I disagree. When I first heard it, yes. 
But then after over time, it grew on me, and I don't. I, it's got some really great songs. Give me one say. I want to listen to it more. I'll my mind, but for now, it's like why would I listen to this when other better guar exists? Well, you know, they came out with it at the same time as this. Uh, the X Cop, the X Cops album. Yes, uh, you have the right to remain silent. Yeah, and I like X Cops. Well, Casey Orr was the. He, I think he. Him and Pete Lee were the ones that pushed that. And uh, once again, you find this, uh, Guar finds himself in a situation where they're opening for themselves. Right. So that was probably the most lucrative <laughs> tour. Actually, no, uh, X, nobody wanted to see X-Cops. And actually, they never really told people who X-Cops was. So nobody came to the shows when they did Is that, that a fact? Yes. They were, I think the most oh, people wow. they ever had on an X-Cops show was 10 people. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> well, Metal Blade didn't do anything to. I like X Cops. Metal is... Blade didn't really do anything to promote it. No, they did not. And I actually ended up finding that album. It was in a used section for like five dollars, and I'm like, "Holy shit! You never find this album anywhere." So, I, of course, I had to buy it. Yeah, let alone for five dollars. Yeah, I know. You could sell that for an arm and a leg on this. No, I'm I'm keeping that. That's my angle. Oh yeah, I understand. But, one more thing I forgot to mention. Uh, I think you ought to notice. I think that song had to be a spoof on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It totally was. I don't know if there was some kind of blood between them. No, there was no beef between them. It was just Guar satirizes pop culture. That's all it is. It is Guar being Guar. Guar being Guar. Cool song. Awesome song. Um, Carnival of Chaos. We can basically skip this album. <laughs> yeah. There's some decent tracks on it. Um, Peng- Penguin Attack. <laughs> that, that's about it for me. Uh, let me see. Penguin oh, pre- Attack I like. Preschool um, Prostitute. Let's just say when people think Guar sucks, they're thinking of this album. Yes. Well, Case Dior does a great job with uh, Hate Love Songs. Yeah, um, I like that song, too. And it's like... Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed Back to Iraq and uh, I enjoyed Private Pain of Techno Destructo. Yeah, that was not too bad. But the thing with the thing with this album is that they really went back to a, almost a punk sound on this album. I think. I would say so. For me, this is where the production values started to decline. Really to decline. And I think uh, the fact that it's more of a punk sound, it's just that the songs are really boring. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's just. Ugh. Suck on my thumb. I mean, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I will say this though: um, "Don't Need a Man" definitely showcases the vocal talents it, of Daniel Stamp, uh, Slam Extra Hyman. So, um, big, big respect for her for that. Yeah. It did, but it's also a song I would really never listen to. It's a skip for me. Good thing it's the last song. What were we saying, Nate? No, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah it's just skip. But it's a shame because you know, I was excited when I saw this album in a music store. I just went in there and they had it sitting on the new release shelf. I'm like, oh, awesome, a Guar album. And then I listened to it. And I'm just like, there's like a few handful of good songs on here. It's just a shame. Penguin Attack's the best one, I think. By the way, this is where I f- it was it was around Ragnarok around this time where Dave Brocky and Hunter Jackson started to really clash over the direction of war. Right. And this is going to reflect big time 
in We Kill Everything. Because when you listen to the song uh, Tune from the Moon, Uh if you listen to the first couple of lines of that song, that's basically Hunter Jackson talking to Dave Rocky. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's where the one, uh, what does he say, uh, you fucked it all up or something like that? You screwed it all up, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the next album. We Kill Everything. Again, this uh, there's really nothing out here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, Baby. The, the songs are funny. The production is... Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know... The lyrics so, are funny. The songs aren't good, though. Songs are not good. Lyrics are funny. But all Gore lyrics are funny. Right. But this this was just like it was just way too silly. I mean, a lot of this stuff should have just because at the also at the time David Brocky, this is when he started the David Brocky experience, and uh, and everybody in the band too was kind of just like they didn't know what the hell was going on, and every, they were just getting too silly, especially with the Carnival Chaos album. It just started getting way too silly, and I don't think a lot of the band members really wanted to be involved with this because it wasn't Guar anymore. You know, it was turning into like the Dave Brocky experience almost in a way. Right, mm-hmm. losing the brutality and like the music just for the gag. Right, yeah, and that's that, it was a shame, you know. But uh, it's just I don't know that that album was just such a total disappointment, and and it shows them with the band too because they kind of went on a hiatus after that for a while, and nobody really wanted to be involved with the band, especially um, the what's his name uh, Casey Orr. He wasn't going to be back in the band unless Guar. Or unless Dave Brocky really wanted to get out of the silliness. Well, the funny thing is, it was uh, actually Michael Bishop on that album. Yep. And uh, Casey Orr came back in time to do It's Sleazy, which is the video that they released corresponding with this album. Um, Shot on, I think it was Sony Digital Video. And you could tell they were experimenting with it because it, it looks like crap. The audio is, you know, you're wondering, okay, so, and I say this from having, having had experience with the Sony DV cam, um, there's an XLR input in the camera where it's like, you know, you can use it as a boom mic, but it also has a directional mic that's in front of it. So I think what they did was they shot with a directional mic, but the problem is the audio, there's so much ambience going on in the background that it sounds like everybody's talking like this. <laughs> And it's it's horrible. Oh jeez, I <laughs> fucking hate that. But the cool thing though was that a year later, when they were doing their Halloween tour in 2000, they started to wise up because they brought out on tour with them another band from Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. who had just released their first album on the Metal Blade, and that was Lamb of God. So I would have to say that that experience definitely kicked Guar's ass a little bit and say we have to step it up. Yeah, Richmond was really the explosion of the new metal scene in the early 2000s. Like, I mean, I'm a gigantic, massive municipal waste fan as well as Guar. So, mm-hmm. like, I really like bands from Richmond. Like I said, Cannabis Corpse. I love Enforced. That that whole area is just teeming with really good new bands. And I, and the fact that most of them were on their breakout tours opening for Guar says something. Mm. Like, not only, like, just most of them have opened for Guar. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. this also helped. I mean, we're going to get to Violence has Arrived here in a second, right? Well, we're going to do that next week. Oh, we're wink, splitting. Wink, wink. Oh, 
but yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that one. Um, they'll see my fucking our fucking shirts, dude. What? Come on, our fans aren't that dumb. Well, I don't want to make a four-hour show, so we're gonna break it up because we know you all have the attention span of goldfish. Yeah, <laughs> it's been enough. I had to break up the Twisted Sister show because we know you have the attention span of goldfish. Because we know you have the attention span of gold. Oh, never mind. <laughs> But before um, we, by the way, the significance of the uh, the We Kill Everything tour, it was the farewell to um, Chuck Varga and Daniel Stamp and Hunter Jackson. Yeah, and thank you for everything you did for Guar. Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of really cool um, stories about like with, with their shows and stuff. There was even one with Danzig. I guess one of Danzig's. Uh, some girl that he was with at the time, he was she was playing around with uh, Brock, one of the, like a, a prosthetic penis or whatever they had on, uh, you know, for their show. The cuttlefish of Cthulhu. No, it, it could have been. I don't know. But she was touching it, and all of a sudden, it's like some stuff started spewing out of it, and it, it hit Danzig's shoe, and he like totally got disgusted and, and like took off. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Danzig. Yeah. But Northside Kings happened four years later. <laughs> yep. But all right, so that's that's the first half of the Guar albums. Um, yeah, it's a shame that they had to like go off on a shitty, you know, end there for a little while. But classic Guar. It's cla- this this first set is classic Guar to me. So, like you said, so next week we'll come back and do Bounce has arrived. The what? We'll come back to the golden era of Guar. Golden era. All right, whatever you say. But we will see you guys next week. Right bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Please buy a t-shirt. Where Check I out Luke Mab's show. If I can get back to shows. Make a, wear a mask. Uh, go subscribe to... Um, Please. The I shows, and I know you guys do in the fucking audience. Everybody let's, does. Let's get this shit back together. I really want to fucking get back to shows. I think everybody, oh, me too, man. I'm, I'm so sick dying of the <laughs> I saw a cool thing, though, uh, the other day on Facebook. I don't know where it was, but some band did do a show. But they did it, at, I guess it was like at a hotel or something, and everybody was standing in their hotel rooms, and then the stage was there, like, you know, in front of them. So that was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, kind of problem there. You can't start a mosh pit. You can't start a mosh pit, but you can at least see a show. Yeah. I mean, Destruction played a show recently, too, I think. Stood at Doro in front of a drive through audience. Really? Yeah, fucking crazy. odd. Crazy oh, poor times. Doro. She's always better than that. Very yeah. crazy times we're in, but... Uh... Go uh, subscribe to uh, Major Malfunction's Twitter page, and uh, I guess that's it, right? Yeah, don't you... follow me on Twitter right now. I'm banned again for bullying oh. transphobes. Trump tards? Is that what you just said? No, transphobes. Oh, transphobes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. You guys live.